0: Welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with The Church Safety Guys. Brought to you by TwoWayRadioCenter.com, a Motorola value-added reseller. The Church Safety Guys is a non-profit organization dedicated to equipping the vigilant, those men and women who stand watch, keeping our houses of worship and places of faith safe. We believe church safety and security must be a ministry first, engaged servant leaders who continually strive for excellence and teams of motivated volunteers that are always training join us for the next hour as the church safety guys unpack safety security leadership and ministry operations with your hosts dr james mcgarvey and mike scully this broadcast is also available on youtube your favorite podcast platforms churchsafetyguys.com and on the original church security app. Download it today. Feel free to like, subscribe, and share with your ministry.
1: Well, hello and welcome to the Church Safety and Security broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. I am James and I am joined on this Sunday broadcast live on our many social media platforms by none other than my co host Mike. Good
2: evening, sir. How are you?
1: I am sunburnt, but I'm good and I am here. So <laughs> that seems to be the rolling theme of the of, it seems to of be. the weekend. <laughs>
2: although i i i probably need some sun that's i got plenty of it here i just don't get out <laughs> you never look sunburned though as nope. long
1: as i've known you i've never seen you like burn
2: no i really don't a lot of it is i prefer the uh i prefer to go out after the sun is in the shade a little bit or when it's not the peak whereas uh the rest of the family likes to go out and turn into lobsters so um uh, or so it seems nice <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I was outside yesterday and, uh, I was putting some new light fixtures in on our house and our property and, and, uh, adjusting our cameras and replacing some screens, so window screens. So I was pretty much outside all, all day and, and, yep. uh, but it was good. Today we had, today we had church and, um, of course, a lot of people are out of town because of it being the summer and vacations and that sort of thing, but absolutely, it was a good, it was a good time. So uh, if you've just recently joined us or this is the first time in a while, welcome. Thanks for hanging out and um, just wanted to, to throw out some quick announcements before we jump into the topic for uh, this broadcast, which uh, as far as. As far as announcements, if you are watching this at a later time on YouTube or uh, listening via one of the podcast platforms, uh, feel free to, to click the like and subscribe button. Uh, that helps us out quite a bit with the, the algorithms accordingly. And uh, I did want to mention we had posted in one of our social media groups that the uh, app, uh, church security app, was down for maintenance. Um, that's actually should be back up and running uh, well, and has some cool new new features that you'll notice on that. And, and the fix um, for
2: Android, right? That's the big yes, that's the big part.
1: Yeah, that was the big thing. If you went to the or if you were at uh, the St. Louis conference that we did, uh, there were quite a few folks that had newer phones that were trying to download it and were having um, system issues with the new uh, newer Android phones. Uh, downloading the app, and so I actually spent quite a bit of time with the developer, and and we went through a bunch of um, a bunch of things, and I was able to actually show them, you know, what it was doing from uh, from the conference, and so they uh, they kind of helped me walk through troubleshooting that, and then uh, we were able to fix that. So you shouldn't have any more uh, tech tech glitch, glitches or issues. And um, if you do, please let us know so that we can follow up on them with, with the folks that uh, are in the, the tech support for, for the app. Um, but most of the time um, and I'll just throw out real quick. Most of the time, if you need something, need policies um, you know, there's, there's samples. There's all sorts of information. There's starting team team info on there. There's, there's government info. Um, most of the time, there uh, is a 20-minute video that we recorded. It's on our YouTube channel, and it's also in our main social or main Facebook group that will actually walk you through how to get all of that info. Um, but most of the time, what you need to do is download it. It's free. You can go in and then there's a little members content section um, and you can register. That's free. Uh, Go into the members section and then all of that info is right there. So there's there's a plethora of uh, resources at your fingertips. And that's uh, that's definitely available for you and your team. And uh, again, that's free of charge. And. Part of the reason that we can do that is because of Two-Way Radio Center. So uh, I love doing a shout out to them. And I'm very thankful for them them sponsoring us um, with Motorola. And uh, again, they do a fantastic job with communications, with, with radio components and uh, communications for safety teams. So if you uh, have a communication need, feel free to reach out to them. uh, what's
2: what's really interesting is the 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 communications piece and it's so great to have them a sponsor we're blessed um but a recent study came out uh this is lifeway research and they said 26 percent of churches have radios among their security personnel and that kind of blew me away i couldn't believe that yeah i mean I, i get it there's so often that i mean we're Inside the bubble. We talk to churches all the time that have those teams, and most of them already have communications and typically will utilize radios. But 26 seemed awfully low. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, you see, I mean, maybe that's just the mem crowd and things like that, where it's the, the everybody thinks you're part of the earpiece club. And it's it's not necessarily true. In 26%, that's low. So it, it means that there's a lot that still need uh, to develop some sort of policy and, and, uh, uh, program and plan around communications.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And last year, I believe it was, we helped, I think five or six high-risk churches with communications. Um, our, our nonprofit did. And, um, we, I know talking to Billy, um, who, who runs to a radio center, he actually, uh, oftentimes churches will upgrade and they'll give their, their old stuff to them and then they refurbish it and either give it away or, um, charge basically costs for refurbishment. So, um, definitely, uh, you know, Billy is always doing a, a fantastic job trying to, to work within people's budgets and, and really, um, You know, there's, there's so many different ways that you can get communication and certainly Amazon, you know, a lot of times churches will try and buy stuff over Amazon and eBay and, um, and that's fine, but I always like to, to encourage people to check them out because oftentimes the, the less expensive you go, that doesn't mean quality is there. And, um, so it's always good to, to talk to somebody first that, that knows their stuff and and he certainly does. So, um, so you can check out his website and then, uh, as always, if you visit our website, if we can help you out at any, uh, our website is churchsafetyguys.com. And then, uh, you can, you're welcome to, to check out, we have a CSG trusted vendors list, and those are folks that we've worked with and we know support ministry first in, uh, and that focus with church safety and, uh, they would love to help you. And, um, so another thing real quick, another, another announcement, we're starting to gear up for 2024. Uh, we still don't have the specific date for, uh, our main, uh, large conference. We think it's going to be probably in, um, in spring. And, uh, we're hoping to, to gear that down towards Mike in Texas. Um, but I will say that. Uh, we are actually going to do a child safety and protection, uh, workshop, and that's actually going to be in the Orlando community and that will be, uh, actually February 24th. So you guys heard, you hear, you're getting the first, first, uh, um, first notice of it, um. It's going to be on the 24th and it will be actually in Lakeland, Florida, which is about 30 minutes South of Orlando. Um, And we're going to have a a handful of, of speakers there uh, that you won't want to miss, but it's going to be uh, a really fun day and it, it will be um, as we get the website built and have tickets available and different things like that, it'll be on our website. So you can, can stay tuned for that and uh we'll get that info out to you as it's available so anything e-
2: else you want to add there sir no i think it's great i mean uh it's a couple of great things uh, getting that uh fix out there for android uh locking in a date for florida i mean i know we were in florida in uh what was that 2021 And uh, so it'll be good to have something down there, but this is a focus on that on the child safety. So um, certainly a good opportunity there. And and then yeah, hoping 2024 annual conference will be in my backyard somewhere in Central Texas. So uh, TBD. (laughs) uh, Working on that right now. And thanks to those that have reached out, and uh, we'll we'll be in touch related to that.
1: Awesome. All right. So I will go ahead and bring uh, Jared in because this is. Really, his his stent and his his broadcast, but he has a special guest with him. So I'll I'll turn it over to to Jared and his guest. So welcome, Jared and guest. Thank you for joining us.
3: <laughs> Thanks, James. Good to see you, Mike. Yeah, uh, glad to be here for the latest installment of Real uh, Real Stories of Church Safety and Security. And uh, I'm joined today by. Uh, the big boss around uh, the church I work at but uh, more importantly a uh, friend of almost 20 years uh, Bill Bush um, he is the the lead pastor here at Rock Point Church uh, where we've uh, we were able to borrow the studio today so um, I'm not as sunburned as I look I sw- it's it's yeah, the camera so so um, I
4: yeah. told our guy to set up to make him look extra sunburned. <laughs> there you go.
2: It's only a flesh wound.
3: It's just yeah. a set. <laughs> so, uh, Bill, give us the the you know the elevator talk of uh, how you ended up planting Rock Point and kind of where we are today, and then uh, one of your passions being leadership uh, training. We're going to kind of dive into that today.
4: Yeah. Well, um, I became a Christian in high school and got into ministry. I was already a, a youth pastor by the time I was twenty years old. So I've been doing this for 33 years now, started in youth ministry. And the long story short is uh, I got to that point about eight, nine years in youth ministry, doing family ministry by the time, but still overseeing youth. And I I, uh, couldn't handle going. We were just talking about going to camps and stuff. He was up at a camp and I'm like, I just couldn't take that anymore. So I was like, (laughs) I got to get a real job, I suppose. So uh, no, my wife actually felt called when we were looking at churches to go to. And she said, I think we should start a church, which I knew was out of the ordinary because she's not usually the aggressive one. <laughs> and then her answer was, she said, sure. if you go to these churches that are talking to you, they're all like hundred-year-old churches with all original members. And uh, and 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 they would within about, about six months, they would hate you. So you should probably <laughs> need to go to start your own problems, is what she said. So really, Rock Point got started because. My wife knew me and said, I, I would do better off creating my own issues rather than trying to handle other people's issues. Smart lady. Yeah. So, <laughs> and 21 years ago now, so our church is old enough to drink. So uh, that's, that's, uh-huh. you know, uh, 21 years ago we started <laughs> Rock Point, just five families started and now here we are 21 years later and got about know, five or 6,000 yeah, 6, on the weekend, got 122 staff people, which is crazy. And I, I don't even think I know everybody. So, uh, um, but yeah, it's been a crazy journey. And we went from, I remember when, uh, been around just long enough that churches actually, I mean, there were some bigger churches that always had security, but 20 years ago, hardly anyone talked about that. And I remember when we brought on our first safety kind of like a, just a safety prayer. It was more for the kids ministry and stuff like that. And then, uh, then Jared came along and it got a little bit more purposeful. Yeah. And, uh, it's just been, you know, it's sad. I mean, some of the reasons why we need to be talking about this stuff is because it's become a more dangerous, like, sure. place out there. And I, I don't think churches sometimes realize that enough that they, they, to, that you could actually do a lot of stuff to help yourself up front. And so, yeah, so that's why I'm here with Jared because we talk about this a lot. I mean, we, like I said, we go sure. way back and.
1: I think we kind of have, and and you've, I'm sure you've seen this in in 21 years of pastoring, but I think we've kind of shifted a little bit from being proactive or being reactive to proactive rather, um, just from the standpoint of the next generation of leadership coming up, and you know, with within the church and seeing the importance of it, which is a good thing, um, but it it seems it seems to me like we're seeing that a lot more now where you know the new the younger i say younger um <laughs> but <laughs> younger than jared and i and and mike are younger than our age um as they come up they're they're sensing the urgency and the the importance of having a safety and security mindset and then certainly one that complements the ministry focus and ministry of what the church is doing instead of you know just um you know, kind of mall cop operator
3: type type mentality, but yeah, we we were talking about that at, at lunch. I mean, um, been around Rock Point for almost twenty years, and and in the early days, it was uh, four of us who happened to be sworn officers that that came and and were just present for the services that we held at the local high school on the weekend, and then uh, when I came back and really came on staff five years ago the running joke was we had two seniors ministries, one met on Thursday afternoon and one was called safety and security. And so (laughs) even in the last five years, the shift in demographics towards um, a a younger, uh, a younger group of volunteers and the importance of, of having those who are more seasoned uh, with the life experience um, who can pour into those young men. um, But also uh, yeah, those who will take it on in the next generation. And I think that's where, Bill does a lot of training and coaching for church plants, and really, we're talking about ministry, regardless of of what uh, flavor it is that that uh, you're talking to. Um, so, talk to us about the importance of of that engaged leadership and and discipleship, especially as you're trying to maybe take a team that's small and and grow it into uh, something to scale.
4: Well, yeah, like when it comes to, to safety and security, I remember I was telling you guys I was in youth ministry to begin with, and so about 32 years ago, 33 years ago, I was 21 years old, 20, 33 years ago, and I took over this, this youth ministry, and it got kind of large. It was like middle schoolers got to two 300 in our midweek. It was a traditional Baptist church, so our Sunday school group crowd was about a third, and so we ended up having several hundred outreach kids in a town that only had 1,200 middle schoolers, had one school. And uh, it became the place to go. And I realized even as a young guy, I was like, you know, there needs to be a ministry that, that helps keep this place from distraction and harm, as, as Jared likes to use. And I didn't figure it out. I just knew that I figured out I needed something like that. I think I might be one of the first youth pastors that ever developed a safety security team. And I found a police officer that was a friend of mine back then. And I said, I need help because I found out the pizza place across the street came over me and the manager yelled, he goes, Hey, you got to do something about all those middle schoolers that are running over here on Wednesday nights. It's karaoke (laughs) night. And they just take over the place. They don't buy anything. They're loud. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, there's like 15 or 20 of them. And I had to go discover for myself the way the church was laid out down. There was this like basement area down. And there was a group of these outreach kids that told their parents they're going to church, which they got excited about. And they had them drop them off on the other side where nobody is. And then they would wave. They'd go into this hallway that goes down towards the old fellowship hall where there's a meeting, but they wouldn't go all the way down there. They just go in there. Parents would drive away and they'd run. I found that out by watching. I saw them all run across the street. I go, huh, that's not safe, nor is it. It's a distraction. This is bad. So I, I developed a team, and 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 as I got to know this team of of leaders, now I called them bouncers back then. I don't, I just did. <laughs> I gave them shirts that showed a rolled up kid like a basketball being bounced. It was it was a different time back then. <laughs> and, uh,
1: That's awesome. Um,
4: and and so, uh, but getting to know those guys and learning leadership, I realized that it quickly became clear to me that they had an opportunity to grow and be leaders, not just. Babysitters, not just security people, not just hired guns, not just, and 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 the and the the guy who was my friend reminded me a lot of Jared because when we would we even set up a jail like this timeout room. So if my leaders there doing game time, they didn't have to stop everybody. They would have a security guy in that room, they just take them. And these guys, I started to realize the ones that really were good disciples, they didn't just sit there and, and do retribution or do punishment on these kids. They would sit in there with them and talk to them and get to know them. And that's sure. when I realized that this isn't just about protecting; this is about serving. And I know in the in the the police world they say to 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 serve and protect. I think in the church world, safety and security needs to be leaders because what they need to do is they need to protect while serving. Mm-hmm. And and I think it is much more than a leader. It's 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 and so they they do need to disciple. They need to be discipled. They need to grow in leadership. and And I don't want a team that's just this this. Almost like a, in the church, what do you call it, a parachurch organization. They come in and do something that the church doesn't do. They're like this right. paramilitary church organization that <laughs> sits over here and has their agenda, and then you have the church's mission. I, I believe that the, the safety and security is very much a central, integral part of what the mission of the church is. They need to be doing what, what, what they need to understand that. You need a disciple, and they need to know that when they're sitting there and helping people not be distracted or be in harm's way. It's not just about the fight, it's about the mission. And I got that leadership, I learned a lot. My dad was a a decorated war hero in World War II, Korea and Vietnam. So that's the guy that raised me. And he would talk a lot about leadership in the context of combat. And he would say that when you go into battle and you have your men, he had his group of men he's leading, he goes, you know, It's not about the fight we're going to be in. There's, there, there's obviously fighting in combat, but it's not just fight for the sake of fighting. It's, there's an objective they need to accomplish. There's a mission they need to accomplish. Otherwise you just want to go around shooting people. And, and it's the same, I think with any ministry, but especially more literally safety teams and security teams is, yeah, you're there to prevent people from being harmed. You're there to help in these areas, but, It's not just about that. It's about getting to the mission and the objective. And I think I, and, and I really believe every ministry should when you get volunteers, the job of the leader is to disciple those volunteers. That is part of the process. And and I believe it's very much needed in in the safety security because they're in such integral, they're involved in everything.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, I've watched the toughest ones. Well,
4: I've watched it happen. We've had a, a not too long ago, was it Brian who was out there that a couple that somebody got a fight? The kid got in the car, like the teenager, and he was threatening to kill himself in the car. And yeah, that's do you call the police? What do you do? What do they have? Well, having someone that's really experienced and been discipled and understands some stuff, yeah, they went to make sure that we got to make sure nothing violent happens. Yeah. But mm-hmm. they also didn't just make this about don't let anything bad happen on the church campus. They literally talked this, this teenager out of the car within like five minutes and they ministered, they prayed, they prayed with, with them. So I I think that's awesome. You really sell your ability to minister to people short. If safety and security just sits on the sidelines and says, I'm waiting to stop the bad guy or I'm the safety person that just, I wait until someone gets injured. Then I jump in. Other than that, I'm I'm out. You have an opportunity to step into a lot of these scenarios and you're really the tip of the spear representing the church by pointing them to Jesus, by loving them like Jesus. Absolutely. And that's what I appreciate about this guy sitting next to me. I, I think he has that right perspective because he spent, he's this weird combination of 10 years in youth ministry <laughs> and 10 years in law enforcement. That's like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of career path there. I mean, he's sure, been, he's being <laughs> the guy that doesn't want to listen to the rules. And then becomes ten years of the guy
1: that enforces the rules. Right. <laughs> and now they don't I've know
3: if going to show up to work on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> so it's exciting for everyone.
1: I've I've heard some stories, Bill, on on his on his tenure enforcing those rules. So I don't. I'm just going to say I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's you make a you make an excellent point, and and I always love. Um, I always love pastors that we have on, on the broadcast making that point, uh, because so many pastors really kind of gloss over, over what you said on the discipleship piece of it. And to me, uh, really when our, when my, my home church first started in, in safety and security, um, I took that idea of exactly what you said to my senior pastor and said, Hey, this is kind of what I want to do. I kind of have this this thought process. And uh, and he said, Well, you know, if I if I let you go with this, meaning, you know, develop this ministry, run with it, et cetera, you know, how is it going to be different? And uh I looked at him and I said, you know, the the to me, the key to being different is discipleship is is actually investing. We're not just trying to put a band-aid on this problem. We're trying to train each other with the skills, um, you know, to interact, to pray with people, to witness to people, to share the love of Christ in a practical way. And how better is that than, you know, with an individual that might might have had the intention to come in and disrupt or um you know, maybe, you know, maybe they have mental health concerns or something like that, where they're coming in and they're looking for something. So we need to be prepared to, to actually address that situation and not just, uh, really not just a a certain laundry list of suggestions. It's you know, it it should be an integral integral part of, you know, every ministry with church safety and security. So. Definitely, definitely appreciate your your perspective on that from from that that point.
2: Yeah. And And also, go ahead, Mike. Well, I was going to say also not like really taking an opportunity to uh, do outreach and not be an obstruction, uh, because I think there's so often a chance for church safety and security to become the, the ministry of no. Of You can't do this. You shall not do that. And or because of any number of reasons, obviously, there's a lot of uh, risk mitigation and and there's they mean well, but oftentimes it's not Hey, help me do this. Help me figure out the safest way to do this. It just becomes a no. So how do you make sure that it's not that obstruction? Mm-hmm. How do we make sure that as a ministry, you're not impeding the ministry of the church? You're complementing and supporting that mission.
3: Yeah, Bill's got a great analogy that, that he likes to use, and and we've kind of adopted it here. Um, I'll let him run yeah. with it. Well, what I explain to these guys whenever, because, you know, there's been,
4: it never always works perfect. And, and there's moments where, you know, you get, not to throw them under, but it's always the youth guys that they don't understand. Like, you got to have <laughs> some standard. You can't just run amok. But at the same time, I want the safety and security guys to understand, hey, you're supporting right. their right. mission. This pastor goes, here's what I got to get done. What you need to come in and realize, how do we make it as safe and secure as possible and not mess with what you're trying to get done? And uh, part of the process that we've learned is they need to remember to involve, now they have a system set up to involve safety way in the beginning when they're planning stuff so they could bring stuff up. Let them be a part of the team early on. Don't just plan everything and then bring the guy in because then they're going to go, wait, did you think through this and this and this? This is three. Now it's too late. Now that they feel like, like you said, Mike. It's the no, so get them involved early. Think of them as whatever your team that gets together to plan events or whatever you're doing something big that's gonna need safety. Think about having them in the walkthrough, having them in the process as well. I mean, that one hour meeting saves a lot of problems later on. But then on the flip side, sure. what, what Jared does a great job of always reminding our team of is, hey, when it really comes down to it, our job is to as safety security is to reach the mission in a safe and, and secure way possible it, but while reaching the mission. Like my dad, I always go back to him. When he led men in combat, they had a mission objective. The safest thing they could do is not go fight at all. They'd be, let's stay here. Right. But no, they they, they go, what? But, but they still can approach it. What's the safest way we can do that? And so what I tell the illustration he likes is I, I say, what you got to think about is when you like are doing safe security for a big youth event, there's going to be 800 youth there for us or something. It's think of yourself like the secret service. Only you got 800 presidents, not just one. <laughs> and, and the problem with ministry is you're the safest place to keep the president is locked down in the white house. However, what about during campaign season? So I tell these guys ministry is always campaign season. So you can't say no. they need to be outside. They need to be in these places. Of course, the Secret Service goes, the worst thing is to walk amongst a crowd. The worst thing you could do with the person, But guess what? That's what they need to do. Hmm. And so ministry needs to do that. So it's kind of a balance. I try to tell the one end, hey guys, involve these guys early enough and they can help you get to the plan that does not hinder what you want to do, but can make it more effective. And then on the flip side, I tell the security guys, like you said, don't be the group of no. Don't be come in and saying, you gotta think missionally, not just absolutely. It's like, you, 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 you can't be certain, but you gotta be clear in my, my point. Like in other words, I can't go in thinking, I'm gonna tell you how to do this and what you do and affect their actual program nice because that's what they get paid to do. I mean, I'm, the guy, I'm actually the boss. I could walk into anybody's office and say, this is what I want you to do for your program tomorrow. And guess what? If I was a guy that did that, <laughs> I wouldn't have 121 staff people in the church wouldn't be here because I never even tell my youth guys, I spent over 10 years in youth and family ministry, but that was 20, I became the lead pastor 21 years ago. I've been in ministry 33 years. It's been over 20 years since I've done youth ministry. Why would I tell them how to do it? I don't even do that. So I tell the security guys, you shouldn't do that either. And don't hide behind rules and regulations. Like, But we do need to go, let's get in them involved on their end, involve them earlier. -hmm. And on the safety security goes, just think about it's like, you know, the president, you know, wants to walk the line. He wants to get out of the car and he wants to walk down there. All right. You can't say no. You just go, what do we, how do we, how do we adapt as the safety security team to make sure that's done as safely and secure as possible? And you start to anticipate.
2: Even is is anticipate your pastor is as you work with them more and more, you start to understand what they're likely to do in in a given pattern and then anticipate that move. So it's not all of a sudden a shock. It's something you've already Mm -hmm. mentally rehearsed and prepared for or you've already practiced with your team is it's not catching you off guard every single time. You're actually just implementing another motion.
4: Well, like a great example of that is. Jared and, and one of his uh, other directors, a friend of mine, they met with me about, what was that, a year and a half ago, two years
2: Probably. ago? Yeah.
4: And they had their safety protocol, like the guy that's assigned to me and the stage people, and they have all these protocols of if if something happens in the room, like there's an active shooter or whatever, what their job is to be like, see, come grab me and drag me out to get me out of the way, you know, because a lot of times when someone decides to shoot, they want to shoot the guy up front. But they realize, knowing me, like, but you know what? Knowing Bill, especially if his family's in the room, like the service my wife goes to, mm-hmm. he's not going to run out of that room. So they invited me in a conversation and said, how do we want to process? Because we need you to understand what you should do then if you're not going to leave. And so now I have to get understanding to be, how am I going to be an effective part of the safety team in that moment, rather than just a hyper concern? Because you know what? I go, you have no right to stop me. How is that any different than the parents when we locked down a while back right. breaking through doors because they couldn't believe we locked their kids down? I mean, I got really mad at them for doing that. Well, why right. would I do the same thing? So it's so I got two choices. I either listen to what he tells me to do or I need to do some more training with them to be qualified. <laughs> if I really know mm-hmm. I want to stay in the room, I need to get qualified to stay in the room. and And for otherwise, sure. I'm just getting in the way. So yeah, so you're right. You gotta
3: you gotta be aware. We talk it through. We talk about stuff. And- well, and I think that comes back to you say you know you can't hide behind rules and regulations. Uh, then what are you left with? You have to rely on the relationship. You have yeah. to build trust so that you can have those conversations, um, and then you have the relational equity to be able to say, I totally want to figure out how to help you do this. Until we can do it safely, can we hold off? Can we? And that is only going to come from the the yeah. relational equity and. And building that trust. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think some of what you're talking about and some of what we've talked yeah. about is safety and security can sometimes, our our passion for the safety and security and our gifting and everything else can make us our own worst enemy because of how we present, how we interact with the pastoral staff that automatically hamstrings us before we've even ever had a chance to, to do that. So um, when those conversations are had, what are some tips or mm-hmm. what are some what are some insights that you can provide from both the senior pastor, but also having been the the youth pastor? Yeah, well, also just knowing the, the the demographics of
4: churches out there, a lot of guys are out there going, "Hey, how do we interact?" And Jared told me some of the the conversation sometimes is, "How do I get my pastor to even consider having a safety and security team?" Sometimes step one is the hardest one, and and I would suggest that when you want to have those conversations. The first thing you do is you come in, like I said, we've already talked. Is you need to to frame what you're going to do in the context of I'm helping you reach this mission. It's not me trying to change your mission because I think this would be safer. It's let's have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first, I would say the best way to do that is the way I try to do coming into a meeting that I know there might be. I I need to get somebody to see my point of view. Is I always say this: you you seek to understand before you seek. To be understood. In other words, lead with questions. I, I I think I've had a lot of military people, a lot of our guys in safe security, knowing Jared and knowing these guys is a lot of guys that have a passion for this area also tend to have, you know, law enforcement background, military background. They are get it done, say it like it is. I just, we got to go do this. And, and you shoot yourself in the foot before you even get anywhere. Because if you come at someone like that, to a pastor that has this passion and a vision, it really comes across like you're saying you can't do that. Like you said, Mike, or it actually often doesn't even come across like you can't do that. You're coming across like, I know how to do this better than you. You might understand safety better, but you don't understand what they're trying to accomplish better. Absolutely. And and, and so if you go in without the information, sometimes you might find out, Oh, I guess we can get away. Like, like, it's like, we got to quit. Pushing and like for to apply that to the person trying to get something started, I, I like say you go to your pastor, you're trying to talk, trying to get something going. Like what, what you said, James, you did. You came to, and he says, "What would make it different?" See, he was. I'm telling you, when you say, "Here's what I'd like to do," um, he probably stood back a little bit, like, "Okay, this has happened before. What's going to make this to the, when it, when a sure. person said, what's going to make this different?" You already can tell he's had bad experiences with this already. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so be careful. You're going to step on a landmine. And when you lead with questions like, Hey, here's what I see. Here's, here's, I want to ask you a question. What would you like to see happen in looking in the world today and all that? Do you feel like we're, we, we are safe and secure enough? And, 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 and I just want to know because I want to help. I have some experience that, but I just want to serve. I just want to be involved. I don't want to tell you how to do it. I just want to help if you need help or or whatever. And that you kind of settles someone down because especially if you're in a church the size that it doesn't have this and you're going to the lead guy, it's usually a smaller church or a church plant even. Sure. Um, and uh, which one, one of you guys has been in a church plant. Both of us, both, both of us <laughs> are you currently in a church plant right
1: now. Uh, I am actually. Okay. Well then yeah. you
4: understand it. Church sure. plants are a magnet there. You know what church plants look like to people that have an agenda for any kind of ministry. <laughs> oh, they looks like the baby Buffalo that's fallen behind the herd. And they want to run to it and get what they want done before the funds come back. <laughs> and, and I think if you got a pastor in that scenario, you know how many times people come and say, here's how you ought to do something, something you should do, here's what you got to do. They get hit with that so much, and they're in one of three categories. Either they're naive and don't know what they don't know, and they're just going to take on everything and get overrun, or they've been that way enough that they don't know how to process it. And, or they think they already know everything and, and they're, they're not a very good leader or they actually are a good leader that maybe doesn't know everything they don't know, but they're a good leader that wants to go somewhere. Well, all three of those, if you approach them with questions and willingness to serve first and start with the mission instead of what your model of what you want to do, that's your only hope. A bad leader, you might end up with nothing anyways. But the only way you're going to turn anybody towards that is to is to start with those relationships, those questions and serving like like, for example, like for us to start a bit, if someone came to, to me like we started this really early on, when I realized everybody with an agenda came over and then surprisingly, I always go up well, my last church, we did it this way. Well, where's your last church? Did you move out of state? No, it's the church down the street. I go, well, then if you love your last church so much, why aren't you still there? And <laughs> and how'd it work out for you? I mean, you, you see them like you just want a platform. You, you don't want to grab a, 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 a row and start uh, uh, an oar and start helping us row this boat.
3: Yeah. And,
4: and so we have a requirement that you can't lead anything in our church until you've served for, is it up to a year now, or is it six months? Six months. but Six months to a year, depending on what you're going to lead. In. Yeah. But, yeah. But you have to, and that's, you've had to serve, not just be in the church. You can't sit in a church for a year, do nothing, and then lead a ministry. Where we we take on the in and out philosophy. Nobody manages that hasn't flipped the burgers. Nobody leads that hasn't served first, and 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 that's what helps us a lot with this. But I think if you're in a smaller church, you're like they'll let you, they'll they'll they hear you go, but or they'll fight you, and you don't sure. want either one of those. Either one of those is bad. Like the person that fights you and says no, then and you see something they don't, that's bad for for the safety and security. But the person that is just totally open to not having it, you don't even know, they're like, sure, fine, here you go. The problem with that is that seems like the greatest scenario, of total freedom. Until you start making changes and trying to do stuff without the support and not everybody on the same page, you know, it. and then, then all of a sudden they're like, wait, 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 I, I didn't know I signed up for this. And then you never really get the support you want. It's like the two extremes. Either you, you micromanage or fight and resist and won't do, Or you, you think delegation
1: is, is dumping and running, (laughs) you know, I honestly, I'm going to, I want to go back real quick to um, one of the comments that you made earlier, Bill, and then I'll toss it over to Mike, but you, you made the comment seek to understand. And I would like to put that on a billboard somewhere (laughs) in, in church safety and security, because so often we we will actually we'll we'll have a coaching session or we'll have a counseling session with a church where they're the the person is trying to get this going, and they're so excited and they're so enthusiastic mm-hmm. about where they feel that God wants them to be in this ministry that it's it's almost like a bull in a bowl in a china shop like They don't know how to, to really communicate and understand going in and and talking Mm -hmm. to, you know, the, the lead pastor and saying, this is kind of my vision. This is, this is how I want to approach this. And so, like you said, honestly, a lot of times, and we will talk to pastors as well, where we're seeing the same thing where the pastor will say, I'm not interested in that because they had a bad experience with you know, with something up to that point. So to me, I mean, that's, we, we call it, uh, we call it gold nuggets around here. That was a gold nugget, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, just of information because, you know, having, and that's, that's one thing that we've always emphasized is having a, a spirit of grace and going in and saying, look, this is, this is what I'd like to do. This is how I'd like to do it. But again, making sure that it complements that mission and supports that because it can, and when it does it it becomes very successful it becomes a very successful partnership with all of um with all of the ministries so Mike, were you gonna?
2: Yeah, so much uh, great stuff there, Bill. I think it, it, I had to go back even through my own notes, and there's a couple things I wanted yeah. to hit on. I think part of it is really, and and I posted this today, was really as blessed are the meek, and meek really is strength under control, and uh, as my pastor would define it, and, and of the original Greek, and and that's really what well, we as a safety team need need to kind of epitomize because we need to have strength, but we need to not go in there like a bull in a China shop. We need to kind of do that the right way as best as we can.
4: And one thing I would add as I was thinking about what you guys were just saying was I've even challenged Jared with it because he's been around the block. Wow. And, and, and the, you're not getting any younger. I mean, look, I mean, he's, he's starting to glow like the sun, like he's going <laughs> to burst or something. But going nuclear. Yeah, Bob the tomato here. As he, uh, <laughs> as he, no, but as, as we get older, it's like the older we get, the younger everybody else we're working with becomes. And, and so the thing that I, I tell, like especially safe security, they tend to be more experienced people. And I go, guys, you can't go in and boss them. You need to build them help them build their ministry, help this. And then think about it as, as that's why I want leaders. I want you to disciple, because if you come alongside a youth pastor, like youth pastors are getting further distance in in age. And a lot of times these guys, they don't have as much experience. So if you come in and say, because I have more experience, I'm going to tell you how to do your ministry. They're like, wait, I'm the pastor of this ministry. And then we end up with a territorial dispute and a turf war. And we try to, we can't, I'm not saying we're always right, but we will be clear. And the thing we try to do in scenarios is, hey, until something goes, wrong, until something other than our basic policies that we've all agreed on that you can't mm-hmm. conquer, the guy, safety security can hold you to this. But if we're in a scenario and they want to do something and you're you're discussing on, you know, on mission, you're, you're at an event and they're doing something you're like, I don't like this idea. You basically, the pastor in charge makes the call. You know why? Because mm-hmm. he's the one that takes the fall and we do not separate responsibility from authority. And so, but if something starts to go south, we have it written our policy that is like like if the president gets shot at, he can't say no I'm staying. They drag him and take him into the car. We have that same kind of fail-safe ideas. The person who now takes charge on the ground is if something actually dangerous happens, the safety and security person is now the one in charge. We're really clear with that. But the, the 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 issue that we need to have where goes back to the original question, having real leadership and discipling safety and security people is most likely the longer you've been in it, you have a chance to, to not try to boss a youth or boss someone that you think doesn't know. You have an opportunity to build into them. You have an opportunity to build into the relationship, build into them. And and that's really, I said I've challenged this guy in the past. Cause you know, he got frustrated. Cause you know, youth pastors, it's like, they're both like, like Hey, we want this. We want it best, but they're like, but we just want to go nuts. And then there's, you know, they got plan, <laughs> They got plan a, they got plan B. And if they come together, you can come up with plan C that involves the safety of plan a, but the actual missional value of what I pay the youth pastor to do
3: yeah.
4: is, is to do plan B and you can put them together. And, and, and so you need to think relationally, you need to think building, not bossing, You, you not enforcing, but encouraging. And, and I, and I think, and I, I do that. I tell, and I, I tell the, the other staff people too, when they get frustrated and I go, Hey guys, you need to go to them. But with, with, with Jared, I've known him a long time. So if he comes to me mad at someone that's younger and less, I go, come on, Jared, you've been a <laughs> pastor, man. You are the pastor of security, basically. You need to go and approach it go hey i'm sorry that it came out this way but what and start with questions again go yeah. what are you afraid of if we do it this way or what are you afraid of not having happened what is it that you're afraid that what we're trying to do here is going to prevent you from doing mm-hmm. help me understand what you're trying to do so i can maybe help come up with an option that 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 fits all of it
3: yeah mm-hmm. and i'll i'll fast forward because it was a couple years ago we we were we were doing this on on several several issues and especially because I have people that, uh, you know, I've got a pretty large team. And so now you're filtering up their frustrations when maybe they're not as far along. Yeah. And so you're trying to disciple and build them while also maintaining yeah. relationships. And so out of that challenge, yeah, we decided to be more relational with, with uh, you know, at the director level for our scalable scenario, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, one of the coolest things was a couple weeks ago. Uh, one of the guys I had the most frustration with he's young enough and I'm old enough that him and uh, his dad and I were youth pastors back in the day (laughs) at the same time. And now he's my actually my my boy's middle school pastor. Um, And I went to middle school camp with him. And we're usually the last ones to bed and uh, working through things. And we had some things we had to call some parents on that were equal parts safety and ministry. And he goes, dude, if you would handle that, that would be awesome. So I can handle this. And it was, it was a partnership, not a competition. And the next morning I was like, I was really feeling like, man, I feel like I should encourage him to say these couple of key points to the leaders who are now three days into middle school camp. And if you've never seen that, um, I'm sure that, you know, three days in the grave, people have looked better. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I sat in the leaders meeting and he, he made all the key points I was going to encourage him to make. And so I pulled him aside and said, dude, I was going to give you some pointers. And I realized I didn't even have to, you're already on the same page. He goes, dude, that means the world to me. And so, yeah, that, that kind of relational, the relational equity goes a lot long, lot further than just, uh, you owe me one. I owe you one. Yeah. It, it really yeah. That's well, what
1: it's it's, well, it's just
4: to jump in there and say something from my perspective, because I've known these guys, is there was another person involved that was because earlier on they were getting frustrated with each other over some stuff. And and people were getting concerned, like, oh, we gotta go. I go, listen, I know Jared, I know the other guy. I go, they have relational equity. They know each other. Just encourage them to get, they'll work it out. Hmm. they'll work it out. We, we don't have to declare, we're not supposed to be the referees on all this. Let them go and and (laughs) figure it out. (laughs) And you know, that's,
1: I think, uh, I think honestly, a lot of it comes back to if, if you have that relational equity and, and you are actively trying to build into each other, then you'll have that respect for each other to stop and, You know, like what Jared just said, like, listen, listen to the conversation, work together, because all of a sudden it's like you step back and look at, okay, you know, how can we how can we do this task as a whole and make it better and not just have, um, you know, not just have random, random successes, but work together to to make it better you know, make a better event, better activity, have a better success. And it's interesting to me. I will, I will say that, um, from, from a, a perspective, I think a lot of times what people lose sight of is that oftentimes the, the lead pastor they kind of forget like what his focus is. It's not just like one tiny little piece of ministry. It's like all of the, (laughs) all of the ministry running together and integrating together. And so I think a lot of times, um, I mean, again, most of the churches that we deal with are on the smaller side that are, you know, maybe two or three pastors and the, and the pastor is, you know, overseeing multiple, multiple areas accordingly but i think that a lot of times um having that that respect and again uh what what you guys said on relational equity goes so so much further to just creating a culture and an environment of grace and understanding and listening and not just well we need to you know okay not every tool has to be a bulldozer to a, to get stuff done, you know, not every, every situation has to have a sledgehammer to say, this is absolutely what we have to do. Sometimes it's stepping back, um, you know, like you guys said, and and I've done that, whether it's vacation Bible school and we have, you know, three or 400 kids or some outreach event where I've stepped back and I've said, okay, you know, how can we make this safer? This is my concern with that director, with that leader. Um, can we adjust things? I'm not here to say, no, I'm not here to be the bad guy, but at the same time, you know, this, this right here specifically doesn't look safe to me. So, you know, based on this and my experience and this is what's happening. So can we tweak this a little bit? And, you know, I, I mean, honestly, and I'm sure, sure. All of you guys will agree with me, you know, uh, obviously, it's a biblical concept <laughs> to to um, to speak quietly and turn away wrath and to actually have a conversation with someone without being a, a law enforcement type person or an enforcer type personality. But at the same time, just having a casual conversation, in my experience goes so much more productive and more effective. Uh, Than, you know, running into somebody's office and being like, well, why did you do it this way? Well, you got to do this different. Well, why? No. And I mean, we have folks that we've, we, we talk to all the time that they can't understand why, you know, they don't have more support of their church leaders and, you know, it's, it, it makes it challenging, yeah. but Mike, were you going to,
2: I think uh, it comes back to, I think, one of the best skills that we can have uh, in ministry, especially in the safety and security world, is really about the ability to bring things to balance. I think that's the, because of the dichotomy we're talking about here and how often it's not just about being in ministry or security, it's how do we do security ministry and do that together. And I think bringing that is into the gray area, which makes it tough for some people. Mm -hmm. They want it always to be black and white. So if it's not, it's either, "Oh, okay, I need to have carry a gun, and I'm going to stand post and I'm going to make this place secure, and you can't do it this way because I'm there." So they go to the absolutes, they go to the far outsides. Or as a pastor, they may tend to run fully in the ministry side and not not understand the need for that safety. And so both are way at the end and neither are in balance. So I think for us, if we can bring that into balance, we can build those relationships and talk about that balance. That's where you build those bridges and make connections and actually get things done. If you're in your corners, you're not out there actually accomplishing anything.
3: Yeah, I think uh, John John Riley said something good. Then I'm gonna kick it back to Bill. You know, ministry mindset isn't just for the, the the DLR or the doesn't look right on Sunday morning. Ministry mindset for us has to be with those we work with within the church, and vice versa. Those who are shepherding in the church have to understand that caring for the flock involves uh, kind of things that go maybe beyond their their natural bent. Right? Yeah. So what you're saying is some people struggle with men's security. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> and, no i think you're you're right mike both of you james is um it's like uh i i see this all i call it dynamic tensions i see it all the time it's a you know the dynamic tension and and engineering stuff is like these tensions that they pull but you need them both and like how do you deal with this but you have this and how do you deal with this and, and the truth is most people are afraid of those They're afraid of that tension, but we need each other. That's why most leaders surround themselves with people just like them, which is a huge mistake because you're already good. You don't need every, like when we started the church, I'm highly, you know, what a leader needs to do is three basic things to your calling. You need to be someone who can define reality, dream the preferred future and design pathways. You don't have to be the best at all three of those to be a leader. You just know that all three of those need to happen. If you don't care about all three of those, you're not a leader. I'll just tell you that's the way everyone ever asked himself, am I a leader? Well, let me ask you this. Do you like to sit there and define what's where the scenario really is? Do you care about that? I'm not saying you're good at it. Well, yeah, do you care about this? Yeah, you care? Yeah, then maybe you're a leader. But if you're like, no, I, you think a leader is just dreaming ideas. No, that's an artist. <laughs> Someone who just wants to define reality, that's an accountant. They're like, you got this much in the bank. That's the reality. <laughs> and people that just try to design sure. pathways, they're engineers, but they'll build bridges to nowhere because they don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. And so I, I think when when we we that, that tension is, if I'm a leader, and I already knew that my best thing, I'm really good at dreaming the future and defining reality. I can design pathways, but they usually I go over budget. They're, they don't work as well as I thought they did in my head. So the truth is. Why would I put anybody in the room, especially early on when the church was small, I didn't need any other dreamers in the room. If I get a bunch of dreamers, we're going to argue about our dreams and no one's going to get anything done because guess what? By the end of the meeting, nobody even wrote anything down. And and, and so we need each other. And that's why the security you're talking about, ministry needs the people that think about the things they don't think about and vice versa. And that's what you need to be a team in. And both people need to commit. And that's where it goes full circle back to relationships and understanding. When you have a relationship and you seek to understand, I think what you said, uh, James, when you said, hey, you you tweak it. Can we tweak it here? tweak it here? That's a great idea because that means you probably understand the environment well enough to offer solutions. I think a lot of times guys go, they don't listen to me. They fight with that because all you say is, well, we can't do that. That's not safe. And here's the problem. You kick it back to them like, I'm now stopping where if you understood and took the time to go, what are you trying to accomplish here? What does it do? And if you said, hey, I don't see this as safe, does it need to be exactly like this? Could it be? And if you understand what they're trying to do already, you come with solutions. You know, that's what leaders do. They 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 offer solutions. They don't just bring the problem. You know, you know who brings problems and just leaves it there? Eeyores. Nobody <laughs> likes problems
1: well this what not pastors get that too
4: <laughs> yeah yeah and, 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 and it's well. like, so you, you just you you you, you it, it's that tension that, that yeah. needs to be it needs to be there people are afraid of the tension you need it you need people around you that think different than you you need people that see what you don't see it's the reason it's called a blind spot is you don't see it and, that's and, and so that's what I encourage guys with. Like, for example, if I, can I say one more, is, is there, does, let me ask a question first before I even offer this, cause it might be useless information, <laughs> try <laughs> to practice what I've just been preaching. Um, do you run into scenarios where church safety guys would like to put a person on the pastor, but they don't want that?
1: Yeah, I would say so.
4: Do they resist having a person with them? I have a guy with me when I'm here on the weekend or any kind of big
1: thing. He's right there with me the whole time. I think that I think the general the general consensus of most pastors that I've spoken with, Mike might have something uh, different perspective, but most of the pastors I have spoken with, it's not that they don't value the um, or appreciate the value that you've put on them for having someone around yeah. them. It's they're looking at it as we have so few resources anyway, like these people like my congregation is more important, I would rather have that resource on the congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, there are also there have been times where uh, you know I've been very involved with that at, in my home church, where pastors receive threats. You're the one that's up front preaching, mm-hmm. and someone doesn't like what you preach, and so you know they come in, maybe a life experience, maybe for whatever reason they come in. Um, all bent on doing something to harm you. Honestly, most pastors and their families are creatures of habit. So I could probably go to just about any church in with, with in the U S without ever being there before and figure out who the pastor was and who their family was, um, based on where they sit, how they handle themselves. So to me, looking at it, I, I've always looked at it like, you know, I'm here to protect you. And, um, you know, I want to protect you. I want to protect your family because the ministry is important so that it can continue on. I don't stand there and say, I've got to stand next to you because, um, you know, I, I feel like God couldn't intervene or couldn't raise another person to do this or something like that. It, it's really more of just a, Uh, Again, a courtesy to you know to to help you from distractions and and a lot of times like when I would be next to my pastor, um, a lot of it is just the distraction of saying you know someone coming up and trying to speak in tongues or you know someone someone praying with them or whatever the case may be and it's like you know what the pastor really doesn't have time can can we schedule can we you know kind of be that interference and kind of help at the same time. So, uh, Mike, you were, did you want to add something?
2: Yeah, I think I, I would echo some of that sentiment, but I would also feel like there's it. It also depends. I think there's times where even with pastors, I've found that their general uh, preference is to have, if anything, more of a zone coverage where you know what the the teams in different places pick them up as they make movement through the facility. And so I've seen that typically implemented, especially in mid-sized teams. Um, uh, but James is absolutely right. In the smaller teams, it's hard to put that resource. In that capacity. Now, we, we do know like when when there's certain circumstances like the, the, the ministry plan itself as to certain messages. Well, we know that when the pastor is going to speak more truth that day and that truth may get under some more skin there tends to be a little bit more activity, a little bit more proximity at that point. We also look at if there's any other activity, whether we have active BOLOs, if there's been recent threats, if there's been uh, any sort of situations with benevolence or concerns that have crept in, well, then that that coverage becomes a little bit more close. It's not necessarily body coverage. It's not one-to-one all the time, but there are times where I've seen it implemented and have implemented it. Well, here, there's why I asked the question is because
4: if I don't know how many senior pastors I actually watch, it's usually the guys that are getting frustrated to go, well, I wish they would get this. And, <laughs> but one of the things I'd recommend if we are going back to, it's about ministry, not just security. Security is one element to the mission. And if you really want to expand the mission the most, here's the problem. I have a guy that's on me, like you said, and usually that doesn't happen to smaller church because they, they don't have the resources anyways, but that's the tension, because here's the problem. In a smaller church, who do most people talk to after? When they're in crisis, when they're in a problem, who does everybody bring someone to? Who ends up with that 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 woman that's just in an absolute, absolute mess? Who do they want to talk to in the smaller church? Usually there's not enough people around. The pastor ends up doing a lot of that. And yeah. I still do a lot of that true. on the weekend because I don't hide in the back. I'm just not wired that way. It's boring to me. So I go out and I talk to people all the time. And so my encouragement to any senior pastor watching or any of you guys that want to talk to a lead pastor about this, if it's really about ministry, if you have someone on that guy, especially in the smaller church, it's not about him being safe. It's Some of it is. It's about ministry moving forward because here's the advantage to it. First of all, like you already mentioned one of them, James, like it can get him out of an awkward conversation. We even have code sure. words with my guys. They don't come in and interrupt. They don't, have, they're always standing there and they go, hey, Bill, how are we doing on time? That's the way, if you want out of this conversation, just say mm-hmm. so. What's so funny is they, the more bizarre the conversation, I get kind of hooked. It's like you start <laughs> watching a show now and I gotta see how this ends. So I'm like, no, right. we're fine. Like, All right, I tried to get you out of that, but you just wanted to stay in that. But but they can help you get out of those scenarios. But here's the the nice thing about it that I've learned. Cause at first I didn't want anyone cause I just want to be left alone when I'm walking around. But then I, I realized the other great thing is if, Oh, I see a woman or she comes up and she says, I just got to say something," cause they want to say something to you, the person up front and they start yeah. crying. Like, Can I talk to you? I don't have to immediately send them away or go find someone else. Cause they really want to, they'll probably, I go, sure. But then this guy will come closer. And now I have a, a, another set of ears. And there's actually been a false claim made against me in the past. And I know, hey, I know, wait, what did this lady say? Oh, I remember that. Mike was my guy. And they went back and he goes, I put it in my, I noted it. I noted it down. This woman was crazy on the day. And so when they interviewed her and all that, it protects the pastor. It protects the ministry. But it also allows the ministry to go forward because I have another person. And if someone comes up to me, I have a woman come up. And then this guy kind of pulls in a little closer. They'll go, who are you? And he's like, I'm with him. i like, does he need to be here? And I go, if you want to talk to me right now, yes. <laughs> and they'll either agree to it or they go, I don't want to do that. I go, well, you know what? Our prayer team over here, we have some women over here. I can send you over there and you can talk with them then. So I know I just got, I, I, I avoided a crazy conversation that might have gone south because I have them there. And that's the sad yeah. thing is you usually think you need to be a bigger church to do it. But guess who gets bombarded with that stuff more than me? The smaller church. And and, and, that's, and and I think if you can share the advantage like, hey, would you like to be able to yeah. talk to a woman that's in deep grief and messed up and not have to worry about whether it's going to come back to haunt you? Still preserving the mission. Still preserving the mission, yeah. but now keeping it safe. And then for me, there's a third aspect that I don't know how many other guys out there like me, but I wander. I stand around and talk. I get in because we have multiple <laughs> services. But I don't sit in the front row of those services because I like to sing, too. So I'll lose my voice when we do five services. So I'll go out there and just mingle with people. And the nice thing is these guys have the head earpiece and they on our production team knows the channel. They go, Hey, uh, RV one, who's my code is like, Hey, can you tell them it's, uh, it's the last song and the video announcements are about to come <laughs> on. He should probably get to the back so they can always find me. That was the,
3: the, the other thing that, that was good. The best was when we had sure. an usher a couple weeks ago who Bill was talking and a security guy goes, Bill, you need to go. And they walked off, and the usher, <laughs> really nice little old lady, she goes, Can he talk to him that way? Uh-uh. I said, He's a Fulbert <laughs> Colonel in the Air Force. He yeah. can talk to anybody he wants that way. Yeah, my guys are like a Fulbert girl. I got
4: two special forces guys. I go, I'm not going to argue awesome. with these guys. I'm going to do what they tell me to do. But no, I gave him permission. I go, You need to be, just just cut me off. Tell me when I need to get out of here. If there's not, no, there's and time that's
1: the the accountability in having that, that second second piece of, or second individual there to listen is, Mm -hmm. is awesome. Um, and we've done the same thing before. Um, there have been times where an individual came up and, and started, um, for, for me and my, one of my pastors, there was a time on a Wednesday night where a, um, a guy came up and instantly wanted to, to debate theology. But it wasn't like a casual conversation to debate theology. It was he literally got in the pastor's face and was like spitting He and beat red. And, he, you know, and it was one of those things where it was kind of it. It took everyone by surprise so much that just having somebody step in, uh, which I did and just said, hey, you know what? Let's take a break real quick. Like, here's some water. You know, let's let's step back. Maybe this is a conversation not to have Wednesday night, you know, since service just let out. Maybe we should maybe we should have this conversation at a different time. Um, Was enough of a distraction to the individual that he realized that he was overreacting to it and kind of calmed down a little bit
4: yeah so i think that can happen sometimes they just they're not
1: self-aware you
4: made them you you basically what you're acting as you're the mirror you got in between the pastor and you let this person see themselves and like some people are crazy but sometimes like oh my gosh yeah you're right like i have to share sometimes i go when i'm preaching i'll stop and i'll say guys you know my wife always tells me this passion and anger can sound the same i'm not angry and i usually make a joke (laughs) or something too because i'm I, this is a locker room speech. I was raised by a professional athlete who was a war hero. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm telling you, I'm like, we're going to take this hill or we're going to win this game type of guy. So,
3: <laughs> that's the shirt.
4: Yes, that's throw punch is one of our <laughs> core values at the church, by the way. So, <laughs> that's awesome. If punch I.
3: just, just is the right truth at the right time in the right way. So it's, it's, we hug it out afterwards. Yeah, it's it's definitely.
1: (laughs) If I'm, if I'm ever in Arizona again, I will make sure to attend a church that advocates throat, throat punching, (laughs) but we (laughs) hug it out (laughs) after.
3: after,
1: (laughs) No, it's all good. Well, we are, um, we are out of time and uh as always Jared it's great to to have you on and uh Bill thanks so much for for hanging out with us and uh just providing that that insight from a pastor's perspective it it means a lot. I I know uh Jared is, has repeatedly spoken very highly of you and your relationship and so we always love having pastors on because it it gives that that different perspective from, you know, perspective from outside versus just within the ministry. So again, thanks for, thanks for coming on.
2: Well, I, and I really like nice. some of the perspective, sorry, on the, on the, some of the plant perspective as well as that bull in a China shop, that eagerness, that, that try attempt to sell a mission rather than be part of the mission. So there were some really good, uh, kind of gold nuggets that you dropped here tonight. So appreciate that bill.
4: Well, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate when, when Jared asked me, I'd love to do it because you guys, I remember when I was doing youth ministry and that was like trying to be that cutting edge and we got to save the next generation, all that. And then I realized (laughs) with the world, the way it is, you guys are a ministry that's like that. It's like, there's nobody that really did this for everyone. Just assume we're a church. We don't need to worry about this stuff. And now all of a sudden we do. And you guys are standing in that gap. Jared, you guys, all you guys are figuring this out and you're doing this ministry to help people figure it out together. So I'm very appreciative of what you guys are doing because I think it does make ministry better. We get more ministry done. We get further in a safer, less distracting way. And and so thank you for what you guys do.
1: Thank you. And uh, Jared, we will
3: see you in August. <laughs> that's, that's the plan. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, back on the podcast. It, maybe in july but uh probably august and and then uh hopefully in october so and hopefully it'll be a few less shades of yeah red
2: i had to think there for a second i'm like did we schedule another conference and i forgot about it <laughs> No, <laughs> it's
3: possible we just haven't heard about it, it is. i know <laughs> wait do we
1: have do we have a con yeah Not in August. don't do that later. to me mike oh my goodness yes. <laughs> october October for sure. Good stuff. Well, thanks well, for again, having us.
3: Thanks, thanks for having me back. And uh, yeah, it's always a, always a blast guys. We'll be talking to you soon. Great All right. You. Sounds thanks, good. Man.
1: All right. So we'll just wrap up real quick. So again, we, we appreciate you hanging out with us and listening. And uh, as always, if we can help you and your, your church or your ministry, feel free to reach out to us at our, our website, which is church dot and if you're listening on YouTube or one of the podcast platforms, uh, please click the like and subscribe button. Uh, that always helps with the, the algorithms and also lets you know when we have um, new content coming up that um, your team can benefit from. And certainly you're welcome to like, uh, like, comment, and share. And if there's a particular topic that uh, that you'd like us to chat about on a broadcast, let us know. Shoot us an email um uh, because we're always open to um, finding a talking about something or or finding a uh, a guest on uh that can highlight that that information so um again just wrapping up real quick uh if you were in one of the social media groups and you saw that we had a post on our uh, church security app uh being down and under repair that is now up and available and it has been fixed. And, uh, and also stay tuned. Our, uh, 2024 schedule is going to be coming out, uh, here pretty soon with, um, all of our conferences and where we're at. Um, actually July, uh, I will be with the Ohio crime prevention association and in, in Ohio and one of their, uh, church, uh, place of worship, um, sessions and then, uh, October, um, we will be in the Phoenix area. Uh, actually, hopefully Mike and I both will be there (laughs) and, uh, and then February, uh, February 24th, we'll actually be in Lakeland, um, Florida. So we will be back there and, um, ready to, ready to, to help you guys and prevent provide resources so
2: wanted to throw out a couple too if you happen to be in the southeast washington state area i will be uh, out in that uh, neck of the country uh, next week so reach out uh meet up uh, at that point also uh in the massachusetts area uh in early august so in either spots uh love to connect uh reach out
1: So next week we will actually be off, uh, because of the 4th of July. So enjoy that time with your, your family. And then, uh, the week after, uh, we'll be back and we will actually have a special guest with us that you won't want to miss. So take care, have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank you for joining the Church Safety Guys broadcast brought to you by Vigilant Impact. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback and interaction. Be sure to share our broadcast with your teams. Join the discussion online and connect with us on social media or at our website at churchsafetyguys.com. For other great ministry resources, download the Church Security app. Remember, keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and Semper Disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.